You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. I'm going to pray before we, uh, before we open that together, so let's, uh, let's bow our heads and go to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, thank you for the privilege that it is to gather together this morning uh, to hear from your word to worship together, to pray together, to receive communion together, to just be together as your body, as your bride, hearing from your word. And what we need the most, God, is we need uh, you to speak to us. We need the spirit of the living God to come and speak into spaces and places of our hearts that uh, are dead and dry and weary and closed off and dark. uh, We are a weak people, and we need you to come and speak to us through the power of your word. We need you to act. We need you to do work deep down inside of each of us. And Lord, we just ask that you would do that. And we ask that you would open our hearts to the work that you want to do, to the word that you want to speak to us this morning. Your word reminds us that no man can live on mere physical bread alone, but can only live uh, a, a life that is robustly full by being attentive to every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so this morning, we need you to speak and to act inside of us. And we beg you, Lord God, to open our hearts. Help us to be receptive to what you might do and say into our lives, Lord God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your spirit. And we thank you for the work of Jesus at the cross. And we thank you for the power of the empty tomb. Ask, God, that you would remove anything from our midst that might distract us, hinder us, but that you would enable us by the power of your spirit to hear from you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. So there's this, uh, <clears throat> there's this classic scene uh, in the movie Rush Hour. If you've ever seen that movie, it's got Jackie Chan in it and a dude named Chris Tucker. Um, what's happening is Jackie Chan's getting off a plane, and Chris Tucker is meeting him for the first time. Chris Tucker walks up to Jackie Chan and says, hey, please tell me you speak English. I'm Detective Carter, right? This is kind of the way he kind of goes through this whole thing. Do you speak English? And then it's just kind of this famous phrase, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, right? Uh, if you've seen the movie, I, it's, it's, it, it's just, it's cemented, I think, into the American psyche. It's, it's a classic for us. Most of us, honestly, have probably mimicked that scene a number of times with our spouses or had our spouses mimic it with us. Um, Mimic that probably with our kids or, or our friends. Um, but really, all, all kidding aside, this question that, that Tucker is asking in, in this movie, um, it's a question about comprehension, right? Uh, he could have asked it this way. Do you comprehend the words that are coming out of my mouth? He could have asked that question. Every human being, every human being at some point has to wrestle with this question as it pertains to the love of God, as it pertains to the love of Christ, um, might sound like this, might sound like, Jesus, do you really love me? Um, we might ask ourselves, do, do I really understand the love of Christ? Or we might say things like, I don't know if I get it. I, I don't know if I've experienced it. Now, it's a question that's really important for us as human beings this morning, it's probably, probably the most important question to ask. Do I really comprehend the love of Christ? Now, on one side, you can say it's, it's incomprehensible, right? 
And yet, that understanding of Christ's love, that it, we will spend an eternity in his presence if we trust in him, basking and growing in our comprehension of the love of Christ, right? But that, that unattainable sense, that never-end goal sense of experiencing Christ's love should not leave us in a place where we're just happy and okay with child's play when it comes to Christ's love either. Um, I just think it's one of the most important questions to be asking ourselves all the time. Do I, man, am I comprehending the love of Christ right here, right now, in this moment, while this thing, whatever it is, is going on in my life? Like, I, I just think it'd be radically transforming to our decisions, right? Like, you know, before I make that purchase or before I take another step in a relationship or, um, or, 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 or as I face some suffering, if I were to stop and say, man, what would it be like for me to comprehend, experience the love of Christ, the fullness of the love of Christ right now in this moment, how would that change things? Am I comprehending? What will it take for me to comprehend, to experience the love of Christ in, in this moment. It's just, I just think it's one of the most important questions we can ask. I think it's one of the things that Paul prays for in Ephesians 3. Turn there with me. Verses 14 through 21, Paul prays, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Crazy. He prays that we would know something that surpasses knowledge. I mean, I just think about that. Paul, are you crazy? <laughs> You're praying that we would know something that surpasses knowledge? <laughs> that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, love that, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Like as we've examined these passages, right, as we've We've soaked in this uh, for, for quite a while. Like the last six weeks, last six sermons from Ephesians have been rooted here. Um, we know that this section of Scripture makes up the second prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians in this book. Um, it's the second time he's hitting his knees on behalf of the Ephesians. Um, as we've worked through it, we've considered Paul's posture, right? Paul's posture in prayer as he kneels before the father of every family, uh, in heaven and on earth. Now, we've looked at the reasons that Paul prayed in light of our identity in Christ in the gospel. Uh, we, we thought about our source, about the source of our true spiritual power in the, in the riches of God's glory. That's, that's where true spiritual power is rooted, right? In the riches of God's glory. We, we, we discuss what it means to have Christ settle down. Settle down, dwell in our hearts through faith. We caught the image of the guy walking across the tightrope with the wheelbarrow, wheeling people across, and you're watching, and he gets to you, and he's like, you've watched me do it, right? Yeah, I've watched you. You believe I can do that? Yeah. Will you trust me and get in and let me do it? No, heck no, I'm out of here. See ya, right? 
getting in that wheelbarrow is what faith looks like. As we exert faith in Christ, which, by the way, is a gift from God that Christ writes on our hearts, um, as we receive that gift, then what he does is he dwells inside of us, settles down into places in our hearts, clears out the clutter of our lives so that Christ might fill our hearts. We, we, we looked at that, we discussed that, we examined what it means to be rooted in the love of Christ like a big tall tree with deep roots, strong character, godly fruit, right? Deep roots, strong character like a big oak tree, tree trunk, big branches, lots of great godly fruit in it. What does that look like when the soil of your heart down below yeah. is filled with the love of Christ so that your roots are healthy, so your tree trunk is growing strong, so your fruit is becoming godly? We looked at that. We, uh, we also studied what it looks like to be grounded, finally then, in the love of Christ, right? Grounded in the love of Christ like a big, tall skyscraper um, built on a solid foundation of Christ's love. And so that's kind of where we've been over the last uh, six weeks as we've looked at this prayer. Now, as we move forward into verse 18 this week, uh, really the first half of verse 18, um, we just see Paul like continuing to build, like he's just stacking bricks, right? Just stacking bricks up one on top of the other and just building out this really robust picture of Christ's love for us. Now think about your experience of Christ's love. Think about your experience. Not, think about your experience of Christ's love for you. Just If you have a pen and a piece of paper, just write that down. Like, like what is... What does it mean to experience Christ's love for me? What is that, what is that like? Um, not, not Christ's love for other people, okay? Not in that sense. Um, not, not Christ's love in a headspace sort of a way, right? With just bullet points, which is hard for a preacher to say because there's always bullet points, but without thinking about it in that way. Think about it in, a, in, in like a, a, a heart way. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not love like, like, like a cool Sunday school topic. Um, I want you to think about Christ's love for you in an experiential sort of a way. You experience that. Now, where were you the first time you experienced Christ's love? What was happening? What was your most recent experience? What was your most recent experience of, of Christ's love for you. And what was that like for you? What, what, did that, what did that experience produce deep down inside of you? What was that most recent experience like for you? Think about that, right? Jot some notes down about that. I'm gonna give you a minute. I'll give you less than a minute, but I'm gonna give you a minute in silence just to think through that. Go. When was your most recent experience? What was it like? What did that experience produce within you? What, what is it producing within you right now? Because if it was just like a cheap date thing, where you experienced Christ's love last night, and then the next day it was like, ah, I'm on to the next thing. What's it producing in you right now, right? Um, one of the passages of Scripture that's been on my heart this week as I've Prayed, studied, written my way through this passage is, uh, 
it's this, uh, it's this, it's this verse in the book of Revelation, which might scare lots of people because the book of Revelation is interesting to read. Um, it's, it's tough to read, right? It's in some places, it's kind of fun to read. It's got all sorts of fantastic imagery. Like it's like the greatest sci-fi movie ever. I, I wish somebody that was worth their salt would make a movie about the book of Revelation. I say that ton in cheek because I know there's lots of movies about be getting left behind and Kurt Cameron and all those things that are indelibly, um, you know, imprinted on my imagination. I can't ever get past it anymore. And anyways, uh, book of Revelation, man, it says, that's just been on my heart uh, as, I, as I looked at it. I, I realized that in, in the second chapter, um, there's this letter that uh, John writes. So John writes the book of Revelation. Paul writes the book of Ephesians. So two totally different dudes, right? Different time periods. Um, when, uh, when John writes uh, the book of uh, Revelation, um, God instructs him to write a letter and, uh, and write a letter to the Ephesians. Um, so listen, listen to what God says. I, I even put it up on the screen for you. Listen, listen to what God says to the Ephesians through John's mouth in Revelation 2. He says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently, bearing up for my name's sake. You have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet, this you have. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so in this letter that John writes to the Ephesians, uh, God's saying, you've done good, right? You've been patient. You've endured much suffering. You hate evil, but you've, you've abandoned your first love. You need to repent. That's a hard word to hear. I think about this letter from John, right, to the Ephesians um, in, in Revelation against the backdrop of the prayer that Paul prays in a letter that he writes to the Ephesians. You, you put these two together uh, and, and look at them in context together, right? This is, that's called biblical context. You're, just, you're, you're widening the circle of context and looking to see what we might learn about the Ephesians, about what God wants to say to them, and then trying to translate that into what would he say to us today, right? That's the work here. Paul is praying in Ephesians, the book we're studying, that, that, that the Ephesians would have strength to comprehend the love of Christ. And then John over here is warning and rebuking the Ephesians for abandoning the love of Christ, He's calling them to repent, right? Or, 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 and if they don't, it's going to have to face the consequences. I'm thinking about this this week, and it struck me that the Ephesian believers are being rebuked by John because they had forgotten their first love, right? That's why John is rebuking them. In a very real sense, they had become spiritually adulterous. That's what was taking place. 
spiritually adulterous. One night, one night, the Ephesians appeared to be intimately in love with Jesus. And then on the very next night, they're in bed with a new lover. That's, that's what they're being rebuked for. How does this happen? How do you go from being someone who appears to be intimately in love with Jesus one day to being someone who needs to be rebuked and challenged and called to repentance for spiritual adultery the next day? How does that happen? There's probably many answers for this throughout the scriptures. But if I bring us back to Paul's prayer in Ephesians, we get a small glimpse of what I think happened. Look at verses 18 and 19 again. Paul prays that we would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The key word here is comprehend. Uh, Comprehend doesn't just mean to understand. Comprehend doesn't just mean to have like head knowledge about something. It means to have first-hand experience. I heard somebody pray today as we were praying in our prayer time before church, that we would have face-to-face experience. Like, like think about this in relationship to my wife. I haven't used this illustration quite a bit. Um, If I came to you and told you all sorts of things about God, or about my wife, sorry, she's not God. Um, (laughs) If I came to you and told you all sorts of things I know about my wife, and you're you're just like, man, I just don't know if he's experienced. Like, I never spend time with her, right? I, I never talk to her. Like, she doesn't talk to me. Um, we sleep in different beds even. I don't know. I mean, I'm just making all sorts of lists, right? If you just knew that I didn't actually have face-to-face experience with her, the reality is that I, I wouldn't be comprehending her love for me, nor would she comprehend mine for her. And that's, that's, that's what Paul is praying for, is that we would have a, a, a face-to-face experience with God himself. That's what, that's what Paul's praying for reason the Ephesian believers needed to be rebuked by John in Revelation is because they hadn't had that firsthand experience. They may have had head knowledge, or they may have had a basic understanding of God's love, because we're not questioning whether they were Christians or not. It seems true that you're sending a letter to the churches full of Christians, that you're, you're writing this letter to Christians, right? Um, it's just that they hadn't experienced the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ personally. Like, listen, they could spot a spiritual phony a mile away, okay? Right? They could spot a spiritual phony a mile away. They, they hated heretical spiritual groups the same way that God hated them. But they were lacking one thing. They had become spiritually adulterous. They loved their thoughts about Christ's love more than they loved Christ himself get that. They loved their thoughts about Christ's love more than they actually loved Christ himself. See how easy it would be? See how easy it would be to just shift and get away from your first love? I think the Ephesians got to a place where they loved their war against all things culturally evil more then they loved Christ himself. Again, how can that be? How did they get to this point? Again, I think the answer comes back to this word comprehension. They were not comprehending. They were not experiencing a face-to-face, intimate 
person-to-person relationship with Jesus. They're relying on things that were godly and good. For us, it might look like um, lots of good things like gospel community uh, and serving, Sunday morning gatherings and good friendships. All good things, right? Bible reading, devotional plans throughout the day. All good things. If those aren't means of grace whereby you experience face-to-face relationship with Jesus and he speaks to you and you speak to him and you hear and experience his love for you and your heart settles down like Zephaniah, right? What Eric was saying earlier. Um, then I think that, then that, that's why this prayer from Paul is so important because he's praying that we would comprehend experience face-to-face. Number one, Paul prays that we would have the strength, right? The strength to comprehend the love of Christ. Questions I'm asking myself as I'm studying this is like, man, Joe, do, do you have the strength to comprehend the love of Christ? Now you go back to the root analogy, right? If you go back to the root analogy and you think about it this way, um, if, if your heart is rooted uh, in, in the love of Christ, then, then the tree with fruit in it, this is the experience of walking in the love of Christ, right? So we need deep roots to uphold that strong tree of God's love. I, some people would say that the relentless love of God experiencing that can almost crush a person. Like what, what, if you read through the scriptures, what does that cause people to do when they experience the presence of God? What do they do? They hit their face, right? They either hit their face or they continue the other way and they face the consequences, right? One of the two. That's what we see all throughout scripture, when you experience the presence of the love of Christ, what would you do? do? Do you have the strength for that? Or are you walking in weakness? Is this an area of weakness for you? Have you, have you settled for a weak version of Christ's love like fire insurance? Have you settled for that? Is, is that the weak version of Christ's love that you're settling into? Fire insurance keeps you out of hell, right? I get to go to heaven today. I like there's, there's a guy that sets that up at the fair every year. It's like the... Um, do you want to go to heaven truck? And he asks you five questions and then prays a prayer with you. And apparently you're saved after that, right? <laughs> I, maybe, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to knock the guy too bad. I'm just simply saying that sometimes when that's our form of evangelism, then that's, it, we should not be surprised when that's the result in our churches today is that we settle for a weak version of Christ's love as fire insurance to keep us out of hell. Or are you experiencing a vital, growing experience of Christ's love as you mature in your relationship with Christ? Like, as I thought about these questions, man, I thought about some of the ways that I experience weakness rather than strength in my experience. Think about that. How do you experience weakness rather than strength in your experience of Christ's love? Like, for me, sometimes just flat out the pleasures of this world, right? The pleasures of this world tempt me to trade in the love of Christ, my appetite for sin like chokes out my experience of, my, of the love of Christ. Sometimes it's the, the suffering of this life, hardship, pain, left hooks, wheels falling off the bus, things that just happen out of the middle of nowhere that you didn't know were coming cause me to maybe get my eyes off of the love of Christ. Sometimes it's uh, just my worry, my doubt, my despair. Other times it's my love for all sorts of learning. And scriptures remind me that there is no condemnation for me if I am in Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am adopted in Christ Jesus. I am priceless in Christ Jesus. I'm not an afterthought. I'm not an outcast. I'm not forgotten. I'm not an alien. 
I have been loved since before the foundations of the world in Christ Jesus. And nothing in all of creation, that phrase in Romans chapter 8 has rocked me for years. Nothing in all of creation. I am a created thing, being. Nothing in all of creation can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's the if I'm in Christ Jesus. has to precede that, I think. If I'm in Christ Jesus, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. I'm strengthened by the love of Christ. One of my experiences uh, with this, so we're talking about experiencing the love of Christ. One of my uh, experiences was a, was a few years back uh, with with a ministry uh, called Harbor Ministries. And uh, what Harbor Ministries kind of specializes in, in, in is, is inviting young leaders um, uh, in, into an experience uh, where, where you would get away. And uh, uh, trip my triggers, not in my notes, so sorry, bunny trail, I'll, I'll make up and cut something out. I feel like this is important. Um, I do feel like it's important. So we'll pray it's Holy Spirit and not just the pizza I ate last night. And I did eat pizza last night. Uh, at the youth dance. And so um, I'm back on track. Uh, so what Harbor Ministries um, specializes in is taking young leaders who have just been, um, who are, have been working hard, right? And have walked through traumatic, tough things. And they take you, uh, they take you out of that context. They get you away for a week. And uh, you don't know what's going to happen. This goes back to what you and I were talking about this morning, Glenn. Um, you have no clue what's going to happen while you're there. You just, you're trusting God. Like, you're, you're going to get me through this. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, like, it could be a bunch of witchcraft for all I know. No, I mean, you just, you don't know what's going to happen when you get there. And, uh, and I mean, you say so flat on a plane and you, and, you, and you land. I mean, my experience was we landed in, uh, uh, we landed in, in you know, I think in Denver and then drove out to Estes Park and there's this big, massive cabin. And uh, they didn't give you a schedule except for, um, go get your stuff in your room and be back here in two hours. Uh, what do I do for two hours? Do whatever you want to do. Well, really? <laughs> All right, I don't get to do that very often. Uh, and so the rest of the week was, was an experience of, of experiencing the presence of Christ, the love of Christ, the depths of the love of Christ. And so one of the things that they did, um, there's a lot of things they did, but one of the things they did that really rocked me was they, they took us out uh, early in the morning. It was like eight in the morning right after breakfast. And uh, they took us out to this massive mountain out in the mountains, Rocky Mountains, Colorado, right? And they said, all that you get to bring with you is your Bible and your journal, um, and you can't take your phone, and uh, that's all you get. And um, they get us out of the car, and we're there, and we're like, what are we going to do? We're going to go through a hike through the woods, you know, be like mountain men. Um, they're like, see you later. We'll be back in eight hours. <laughs> what? <laughs> eight hours. Eight hours. Left us in the mountains alone. And they, and they said, like, when, you, when we get back, we'll honk horns. You'll know we're back. Just don't wander too far, but stay alone and uh, don't go anywhere, and, um, and so spent eight hours. Uh, the first couple of hours in silence is, is uh, I, it's scary. Uh, it's scary um, because something starts happening inside your soul, I think, right? You're, you're, you're not able to just distract yourself, and somewhere in the midst of all that, God spoke um, psalms, number of psalms to me um, about his great, deep, love for me. And it's one of the clearest times in my experience where I heard and experienced the love of Christ in tangible ways. I mean, I listen to sermon preaching all the time, 
read commentary sets like they're going out of style. Um, this is one of the clearest times that I sense the love of Christ. Have you had that kind of experience? Take some strength to do that. Are there weaknesses in your life that are inhibiting or prohibiting you from experiencing that? Pray that God would show himself strong in the midst of your weakness. I believe this is something he wants to reveal to every one of us. His great, deep love for us. Number two, Paul prays that we would comprehend the love of Christ with all the saints. So why does Paul pray that we would experience love of Christ with all the saints? Talking about this with a good friend this week uh, out on his front porch. And uh, he's got this big, beautiful house with like 15 bedrooms and an elevator in the back. Um, the guy has done well for himself, and God has blessed him very well. And we're sitting on his front porch and talking about this. And, uh, and he just looked at me, and he just said, Joe, I need you so much. And I was like, man with a home that's got like 15 bedrooms and an elevator in the back, you, well, you don't need me. Like, wait, what do you need from me? <laughs> and he's just like, and we were talking about this sermon. We were talking about this passage. And he's like, doesn't matter what lot in life we come from, right? We need each other. I think that's the point of what Paul is saying here is we, we need each other to truly experience, comprehend the love of Christ. We need each other with all the saints that you would have strength to comprehend the love of Christ with all the saints. Like it's, not, it's not relegated down to just the highly learned or the highly committed crowd. Like for me, man, I, I get tons of gospel community. I, I sat back and counted up this last week, and I, if I've done my math right, uh, I've got eight different gospel communities I am personally a part of. Eight. Eight. That's a lot. Eight different gospel communities that meet throughout the month. Some of those weekly, some of those monthly, some of those bi-monthly. Um, eight of them, though. I get to experience the love of Christ in those communities. And all those communities range from people who were, who were fairly new believers to guys who have been in ministry longer than I've been alive. Um, so I get to experience a wide uh, a load of gospel community. And I began to realize in my conversation with my friend, and as I'm looking at this passage, that you know, I, I, need, I need the saints to experience love of Christ. Like, it's thinking like, what, what would happen? Where, where would I be today? Where would you be today if it weren't for the privilege of gathering in gospel community with other believers? Where would you be? Or where would I be? Well, what would happen if I became too busy? What, what would happen if uh, I decided I didn't want to listen to those people in those gospel communities, so I'm going to go hang out with a different crowd, right, maybe? Um, where would I be at if I only shared in gospel community with my neighbor who loves Jesus, right? I get a friend of mine named Eric whose backyard we share, and it sounds funny when you say it. So, because <laughs> like Eric and I's backyard, um, so we don't just share backyard though, but we share in the gospel, right? We share in Christ's love. So many times that Eric has tangibly expressed the love of Christ to me in relationship and in community. I think I've done the same for him. But if I just like narrowed it down to that, I was like, this is all I need. Just Eric. <laughs> like, I will fail you. Like, Eric, see? <laughs> see? Point. So we didn't even set this up. We didn't even set this up. His point is he'll fail, right? He'll fail me in that. And that's, that's the messiness of, of gospel. That's the messiness of comprehending the love of Christ with all the saints is that we will fail each other and that's why we need lots of each other, okay? It takes a village to raise people. It does. It takes a village of you to raise me. I am a better preacher and a better Christian today because of all of you here. 
And the same can be said from all of us around this room. We need each other badly, more badly than I think we give credit for. Now, I would be terribly anemic in my experience of Christ's love if I relegated my Christian experience down to like just reading a book, or watching YouTube videos, or listening to podcasts. I love to do those things. Um, it would be like cutting important meals out of my spiritual diet. My spiritual diet. It would be, it would be deadly for me. people texting me. Oh my gosh, stop. I would become spiritually adulterous. That's, that's what would happen. I would find new lovers to replace God. That's what would happen. The scriptures teach us that we are not to discontinue. This is Hebrews 10. We are not to discontinue gathering together as is the habit of some, but instead we're to continue gathering together for the purpose of encouraging one another in love and good works. We also have the example of the early church in the book of Acts, right? Where, where the believers gathered daily. Listen to what they did daily. Think about this in terms of your gospel community experience, right? Um, I'm so thankful because my idea of gospel community when we first started, like, it's jacked up. Still jacked up, um, but by God's grace, he's brought us around. As I look around all the different gospel communities we have just in the church context here, God's been so gracious to us to make this happen, this Acts 2.42 thing, right? Um, Man, in, in Acts, so the believers gathered daily, and we don't meet daily, but different days throughout the week, um, gathered daily to do what? To eat meals together. Most of us do that in our gospel communities. There's, there's something that happens when you eat a meal together. And like Chris always says, it kind of goes from popcorn uh, at the first meal and it becomes a competition to where you get you know, hardly a microbrain, like a full 10-course meal. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's awesome. Like it's, it's good, right? You eat meals together. Um, they, they study the apostles' teaching. What are we doing? We study our sermon content is what we do. That's our gospel community philosophy. Not because I'm that great or cool when I turn out notes. I'll tell you, just as a side note, it's super awkward for me to sit in the gospel community and like read my own notes like I'm one of the boys or something. Like, oh, I, I got this out of my sermon today. It's really weird. Uh, it's just awkward for me, so you know. <laughs> um, but it's been good, too. Like, great experience. So we, they ate meals together. They studied the apostles' preaching and teaching, and they provided care for one another. That's what's happening as God grows our gospel communities here. The love of Christ is tangibly on display, and we are comprehending. God has given us the strength to comprehend the love of Christ with all the saints in community. No person was more important or more holy than the next in those communities in Acts. Uh, every person had the opportunity to experience the love of Christ regardless of ethnicity, regardless of social economic status, regardless of their religious background or the messiness of their current life, regardless of any of that, people were, were allowed, not, not allowed, but invited into and enabled, strengthened to comprehend the love of Christ to all the saints. A couple questions, like, what's your gospel community uh, experience like right now? Has it become all about you? Like, I just, that's probably the best question to ask most of the time. Like, is it just all about what you want? What's your gospel community experience like? Um, has it helped you to drive, dive deeper into Christ's love? Um, decided to stop gathering as the habit of some? Decided to stop listening to the counsel of the other believers in your community? Traded the love of Christ in community for some other cheap substitute, like an image on a screen, inappropriate relationship, pursuit of vocational goals maybe? Uh, the love of Christ is big enough to overcome your biggest failures. It's available to you. I don't know where you're at in terms of your experience of Christ's love, but you can return. You can return to Christ as your first love. Your heart can come alive 
to Christ's love. Your heart can be awakened. Your life can be radically transformed by the love of Christ. That's my prayer, is that God would awaken our hearts in that way. Um, in conclusion, uh, one of the most tangible ways that we experience the love of Christ every week as a community of believers, as a community of saints, is this table right in front of me, right? It's communion. Sometimes I think because we do it every week, it, 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 can, it can kind of become easy to go through the motions. We've tried to guard and protect against that as much as possible uh, in our church family. Um, we want to make communion kind of the response device, if you might say, of our preaching. Hopefully that in our preaching here in our church, you would hear um, two things happening. Your sin laid bare and Christ's love for you and work at the cross and that your vision for both of those would get bigger. You would understand how weak and how hopeless we all are and how great and how powerful he really is, that you would just catch glimpses of that and that that would motivate us to repentance and to turning around. That's what repentance is. Uh, it's turning around. It's walking the other direction, right? It's, it's recognizing that every one of us in this room, every one of us in this room has been spiritually adulterous. Happens on a daily basis, I would say, if we, were, if we could really see the depths of our hearts. And so... As we come here in a few moments to participate in communion, what we're participating in is a celebration of the body of Christ, the flesh of Christ, and the blood of Christ being broken, torn, ripped, brutalized, poured out before you and I ever had the opportunity to sin. While we were sinners, before we even had a chance to sin, Christ loved us. I find it hard just to love the enemies I didn't know were going to be my enemies. And he knew. He knew how rebellious I would be. He knew how rebellious you would be. It hasn't changed his love for you. And it's available to you. Now, this meal that we take is a celebration of that work. It's a celebration of the gospel. It's a tangible way that we say, this is the gospel on display. I am weak and God is great. And so that's why this meal is for believers, right? It's not for people who are not yet believers. Um, it's especially for you if you're struggling in places today, especially, especially. And what this is, it's an opportunity for you to examine your heart. It's an opportunity for you to stop and press pause and ask the Holy Spirit, man, and where am I at in my experience of Christ's love? What does the fruit of my life prove about that in confession and repentance and application then tangibly as you take the bread and as you dip it into the juice symbolizing the blood you are you're acting out what christ has done for you you're remembering that work and you're receiving that assurance again that nothing can separate you from the love of christ nothing in all of creation if you are in christ Christ died on a cross so that you could have the opportunity to be strengthened, to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word and we thank you so much for your broken body and your shed blood at the cross. 
We ask, Father, as we wrap up our time here today, God, that you would take the word that um, I just preached and that you would apply it to our hearts. And that as we come before you to celebrate communion, as we worship together, God, that you would cause our hearts to turn back to you. Remind us of your deep, refreshing, relentless, unfailing, never-ending, in some ways, like violent love, so violent that you went to the cross for us, that you endured that pain and that suffering with a picture of every person that you would save in your pocket, so assuring and refreshing to know that that's the way you went to that cross. And that you left the tomb empty. And so as we come to participate in communion, as we apply this message to our lives, we do that not forgetting the power of the empty tomb where Satan, sin, and the grave were violently crushed by your love and your sacrifice. God, I just pray that you would apply it to our hearts today. Jesus, we love you. Amen. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.